Hi, and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Lisa McQueen, I am so excited to have you as a guest on She's the Boss Chats. Thank you so much for agreeing to doing it. Do it. Oh, Jules, it's so great to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. No, it's wonderful. So let's start off and tell everybody what it is that you do. So can you tell us a bit about CleanCorp? Yeah, absolutely. So I am the CEO of CleanCorp, which is our family business. My husband founded the business 25 years ago. Right. And, um, and we provide commercial cleaning services to businesses right around Australia and New Zealand. And um, we love what we do. We love our clients. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's a great business to be in. So you are actually like office cleaners. You have a team yeah. of people that go in and clean the office. Amazing. So why did yeah. you set that up or why did your hubby set it up? Um, well, it, actually, I have to take you back on this story. Go because, for it. Um, <laughs> it, it, is a, it is a bit of a journey. Yeah, great. Um, so tw- like 26 years ago, we, were, we had three really small children, three daughters, yeah. and, um, and we, we, it was Boxing Day and we made this awful discovery that we didn't have a not a not a cent to our name nothing right. yep. because I, I worked i worked for a hotel an international hotel chain and i i got paid at the end oh at the end of every month yeah Gosh, what was that um and so you know the bills have come out we've done christmas we get to boxing day nothing and we went down to the beach and, and Hamish, my husband Hamish, he, he said to me, look, everything's going to be fine. Stop worrying about, about money. And I said, well, that's all right for you, but I haven't got enough <laughs> to buy a loaf of bread, you know. Yeah. And um, so off he goes. He, he goes for a swim in the ocean and he comes back just a few minutes later. And, I, and, you know, I've got the girls with me and he's walking up the beach with this huge smile on his face. Yeah. And, I, and I'm thinking, what? on earth are you smiling about? I mean, we are literally broke. Yeah. He comes up, stands right in front of me, puts his hand out in front of me and goes like this, you know, opens his palm, and here is a $10 note and a $5 note that he has found <laughs> floating on a wave. Wow. <laughs> so he went, under, he went under a wave, came up, and that it was like basically right there, and he just reached out and he and he grabbed it. And I mean, obviously, some poor soul who was swimming on the same day lost, lost their 15 money. Bucks. Yeah, but on that day, we probably needed it more than they did anyway. Yeah. And um, and look, clearly, it wouldn't have, it didn't change anything in terms of our financial situation, but it. It was it was sort of an epiphany moment for for us because we we realised that what we'd been doing, uh, my job and, and my husband was a builder at the time, it just wasn't it it just wasn't allowing us any flexibility in terms of what um, you know our finances were like, and so we started talking on the beach. Actually, uh, we started talking about maybe we should have our own business and do something you know together. do something together. And anyway, a couple of weeks go by and my brother-in-law who was working uh, for a big property management company in Sydney and he said, look, I know, you, I know you want to earn some extra money. I can get you a job working as a cleaner in one of the buildings that I manage if you're interested. So 
so Hamish started doing that and about two months in, he said to me, you know what, if I do a really good job, I get to keep these clients for a really long time. So that's monthly recurring income. Yeah. And and he said, I think this is, he says, not, it's not a very, um, you know, it's not a sexy industry it's at all. It's not exactly glamorous, but. Not glamorous in the slightest, <laughs> but, um, but it does provide monthly recurring income. And if you work hard and you, you know, um, are good at what you do, you can keep your customers. So a couple of months after that, Clean Corp started. And, wow, um, yeah. what a great yeah. story. That is fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Um, and, and so these days it, you've got Clean Corp um, as the brand. Do you, are you just office cleaning? And I, I guess your clients are now massive organisations, are they? Yes, yes. So things have changed since those early days. I bet and, they and, have. Yeah, and, and actually in those early days, Hamish did everything in the business all on his own for thir- the first 13 years. Uh, oh, wow. Why yeah, you were bringing he, up the girls? Yeah, he did. Well, no, I, I had my career working oh, okay. in, the, in the hotel industry. So we, we right. very much juggled. Um, we very much, and we were very fortunate. My parents only lived a couple of streets away and were wonderful. Um, so, yeah, so, but Hamish did it all himself. He did the quoting, the cleaning, the finances, the marketing, you name it, Jules, he did it. Wow. And then 13 years in, he'd grown the business to, um, uh, what did he get it to? About 700,000. 700, wow. And he said, I can't move it. I can't seem to move the, the you know, I can't grow it anymore by myself. I can't grow it. Uh, with the, with the skill set that I have, I can't seem to move it any further. And because I had a, a background in hotel management and um, sales and marketing, yeah. he said, why don't, you, why don't you now come and join the business and, um, and let's see what we can do with it. So I did that and I, and I always say I did it kicking and screaming. Oh, really? You didn't want yeah. to by that at all? No, you still loved what I, you were doing? I loved what I was doing. I had a fabulous job and, um, you know, travelled the world, had lovely, you know, lovely people I worked with. And, but I did. I made that choice and um, because it, it had to be made and I'm so glad that I did. I'm oh, so glad great. that I did. Yeah, it worked. It, it just worked out really well, and I, I'd always thought that I was a great second in charge. I was I, put me second in charge of anything, and I'd be great at it. You know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. And but coming into our own business, it 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 meant that you know I had to step up, and I had to step in, and um and that was a really interesting learning curve and also working with your husband too really yeah well challenging curve. I mean you know works really well but it also doesn't give you a lot of time or part and I know my dad was a doctor and my mum ran the surgery and you know you don't get any time really apart from each other so you mm. know you've got to have a good relationship to start with but so this all sounds amazing and I want to hear all the way back now to when you were a, a little girl um, I want to know how you got into hotels, what you did in them, and then how it's been since you've been working with Hamish and Clean Corp. So sure. can you take me back to when Lisa was a little girl and what you were like and did you love school and what did you do after school? I, I As a little girl, I yeah. loved primary school. I absolutely detested every moment of high school. Oh, really? And, Why? Um, were you bullied? Yeah, I went, yeah, and I went to a really tough school. Um Whereabouts did you go to school? Um, I went to Narrabeen High School in on Sydney's northern beaches, right. and at, 
in those days, it, it was a little. It, it was a little bit of a, a law unto itself. That, like, that it was school. a puberty blues. All set it was around very there. much. It was teachers' pet and puberty right. blues. Right. That it was that time, and um, it was not unusual for relationships between teachers and students. I not me. Oh right, but that was happening. It was certainly happening, and it was wow. a, it was an environment where it, only the only the strongest kind of survived. And I was I was quiet, and I was very happy with my own company. So you would find me in the library because I didn't like. There was a lot of bullying and a huge amount of bullying. Right. And um, God, and it's hard to bullying. believe, isn't it, that mm. that schools would allow that. I know that, um, that every lunchtime there'd be, uh, you know, and lots of fist fights and um, physical altercations between girls just as much as between boys. Yeah, so the that. place that I felt safest was in the library. Right. And, and, and tell me, and, and in your family, were there brothers and sisters who were at the same school? No. Right. Um, my sister, my sister's nine years older than me. So I, I didn't have, I didn't have another sibling who I could depend on to, to, to help me in any, any of those circumstances. So it was, yeah, it was just one of those places that you just had to survive. Right. And so I got to oh, year 10. Yeah. And, um, and, and also the other thing is I think the, the way parents looked at things back in those days, it was like, toughen up, Lisa. Just yeah, toughen up. Yeah, that's right. Deal with it. It, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, my parents were, well, this is the school that our area goes to and that's that. It, nothing can change. And my, you know, my parents didn't have the, the finances for private schools. So that, you know, I just really did have to deal with it. Right. And how do you think that affected you? I think it made me very determined to oh, create my own success. I yeah. really do. I didn't need to. I didn't. I, I didn't have anyone to, other than my family, my amazing family. But I didn't have anybody else to bounce ideas off or or anything like that. So I really had to be very self sufficient, and it taught me. Um, you know, it taught me to, a lot, I think, going a through that school. A lot of life school. skills, yeah. yeah. So, okay, so you got to year 10. Sorry, and I cut you off. What were you going to say oh, then? Oh, no, no. So I got to year 10 and that was it was hard because I was I was desperate to get out of there. And, and mum said to me, finish year 10, get your school certificate, and then you can leave school if you want to. As long as you go to secretarial college, you right. can leave school then. <laughs> So that a big was that was like for women. my my big career. Mum's mum <laughs> you know, wanted me to be a secretary, um, so I did. And I remember the day that we were all we all filed into the school hall to receive our certificates from the principal, and I, I my name was called. I went and picked yeah. up my certificate, turned around, walked, and I literally just kept walking. I walked straight out of the hall. Wow. I'd, I'd done exactly what mum had asked me to do and I, I just walked straight out of the hall. I never looked back, Jules. I never looked back and I never Amazing. wanted to. No, never well, I mean, God, to. you wouldn't want to with that kind of a background. And what a pity that you didn't have, you know, teachers that were nurturing you and stuff. But I guess, you know, thing, shit happens to everyone yeah. and, you know, you just do get on with it. So, so you went off to secretarial school. Was that the first thing after yes, leaving school? It was because that was my commitment. Yeah. <laughs> that was my get out of school card. Um, and I went and you know what I found? I absolutely loved it because at, 
at college, it was a really nurturing environment. The teachers were wonderful. And so were the other students. We were all there with a shared purpose. So we had a lot in common. Um, we'd come from different schools. It was it, it was the first time I had felt true acceptance ever in wow, my adolescence. What a adolescence. fantastic mm. endorsement for the place! That's pretty, are you friends with people from there still? Uh, yes, I definitely am, oh, and um, we've all you know we've all gone in our different yeah, directions. But there's such a beautiful like it was just the best experience. And I remember coming home after the first week, and Mum saying to me, "Wow." Yeah, like this is a different Lisa. <laughs> right. That's amazing, isn't it? And, yeah. and, and of course, year 10 and year 11 and 12 are really those bonding years at school mm. if you'd stuck around. So mm. to do, to get that, at, you, you would have had people probably the same age and, um, and you got to build it outside of the school, which is great. And also yeah. learn something that you could earn money from. Yes, that's right. That's okay, right. So, so what happened when you graduated? So, how, and how long was the was the course? So that that course was um, it was a twelve month course. Yeah. And um, you know, just with the school terms, but twelve months. Yeah. And and so after that, I had I planned my you know my wonderful trip to Europe with my my older sister. Right. And we we were going away for three months. I needed to I needed a job fast. And my brother in law worked at the National Parks and Wildlife Service as one of the directors. Right. And so a little nepot- a little bit of nepotism um, was involved there. Sounds like you deserved and, it by that stage. <laughs> and he he got me a job. Uh, uh, he 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 got me a job working for the chief scientist, and right. um, and so I did a I typed like hand typed a whole thesis on kangaroo poo. That was my job. <laughs> <laughs> so now you know more about kangaroo poo than anyone oh, ask me other anything. than him. Absolutely, ask me anything. Um, it was honestly, it was hilarious. But I, I earned the money, and off I went to Europe. And it was my very first, you know, big trip. It was yeah, away the, from the home. first one. Yeah. And uh, I just absolutely loved it. And when I came home, I knew that I wouldn't be able to settle down again in, into the, the, you know, the, the, you know, the government job. It just wasn't yeah. my vibe. I needed something that was a little bit more where I could use, uh, you know, skills that dynamic. I had, yeah. a bit more dynamic. So I started looking for jobs, and I went for a job with the National Australia Bank. It wasn't uh, what's it called. I think it's called the National. Yeah, the National Bank. Yeah. Went for a job with the ABC as a um, one of their junior producers, and I also went for a job in the travel industry for um, a company called Wheels Abroad. I got all three jobs. Oh my god, that's brilliant! (laughs) That's fantastic. And then I had to decide which one I wanted, but I knew that, you know, the one in TV was, was very appealing, but the travel one for me, it was, that was that. And so I started there and, um, I mean, so at, look, is this learning I to be a travel 18, agent? I, no, no, no. It was working at the company wheels abroad did, did car highs, like fly drive holidays to oh, Europe. Okay. And that was, this was in the days when that was a very new thing. So you go to Europe for six months, you'd rent a car and you'd drive it around and have a have a beautiful time. So I started I started there as the most junior junior person that they had, yeah. and um, uh, I think eleven or twelve months later, I they sent me to Paris to work, to open to all, look, like look after all of our clients who were oh going my to God. Paris. And you went, this is why I'm doing it. This is I, wonderful. I, I have found my perfect job. Right. So I had I had three weeks notice from um from my you know from 
from my company. And you've never and been to, went, had you been to Paris never. before? I'd so, never been to Paris you were and I didn't charge, speak French. And you were in charge of taking all these people through. Yeah. So yeah. did you did they have a structure that you had to follow? You know, that they said uh, you're gonna no. go to the Champs Elysees, then you're gonna go to Notre Dame, or you had to make that up yourself as well. I had to make it all up. I really had to invent the whole role wow, as Lisa. I went. So it was it, it, there was a lot of <laughs> A lot of angst of just getting that up and running, but I, I absolutely loved it. And I was there for five months uh, doing that. And I Are made you serious? You got friends. to stay in Paris for five months? Yes. So yes. what would that? So they would just book people in and then send them over to you, yes. and and you would. Wow, what a great job! I love it. Yeah. yeah. So it was so great, and and we had because the company was growing so fast. We had one of the directors was based in London, another director was based in Rome, and then there was me in Paris. And these other two directors were, you know, we were all on our own. We all had that in common, plus we worked for the same company. So on the weekend, they'd come to me or I'd go to them or we'd meet somewhere in the middle. It was just the most incredible and amazing experience and such a huge learning curve on dealing with clients. And because we'd have clients arrive and they'd lose their luggage, they'd lose their passport, you know, you had to be able to problem solve. (laughs) Yeah, you'd, you'd have to be able to problem solve like that. Yeah, and, right. um, and and get to the bottom of things and, and, and have an answer for everything. And uh, so it was a wonderful, wonderful learning experience. And that company really helped me grow in 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 so many ways, in so many ways. So that but was you're 19. very – I was going to say, you're very young at that stage still. So I know, I know. what happened when they said, right, you've got to come back? Oh, um, <laughs> I came <laughs> back. I, no, I, I didn't. I think I was ready to come back. Yeah. And again, these are in the days before text messages or internet or anything. You're just so missing everyone. I miss my family. I miss my life here. So I came home and I, I was back for a few months and then they sent me to LA to, <laughs> to get things set up there. So I, I, I again, Amazing. did the same thing. It was a lot easier in LA because I didn't have any language issues there. Yeah. Um, and then I came back from, uh, from LA. How long were you in LA for? I was in LA Another for three five months. Or six months? Oh, no, three. no, only three, only three months there. It, because it was so easy to set everything up, I just yeah. Yeah, organized it all, made sure it was all running, and then I had other people who could do it um, for me. And then I came back and did the same thing in London, um, just help people through. And because again, the business was growing, and we needed to have, as my former boss would say, we need boots on the ground. So that that was me. So I think. So your job think, was going and setting up all these kind of tours and making all just, the deals with the accommodation and the bus yeah. companies and whatever. How amazing! Yeah. Yeah, with the car. Well, mainly it was with car cars, companies because, yep. yeah, because that's what that's what our thing was. But it was, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, amazing time. God, it would have been <laughs> so hard to come back to Australia and sort of the bump of okay, now I'm just normal normal life again, and people there to oversee you. So, what did you do after London? Well, when I came back, um, unfortunately, the company collapsed. <gasps> no. Yes. Um, so that was just. It was. It was a really tough time. It was devastating. Just I would devastating, have devastating. And um, and I tried at that time. I I was philosophical about it because I knew that I had been able to build an amazing resume with this company. So I was 
going to be able to find a great job. Yeah. I just had to decide what it was that I wanted to do. And I tried mm. a couple of other things. I really wanted to hone my sales skills. So I did really weird jobs. Like I sold telephone systems for about, I don't know, nine months. Right. And I, I didn't, I didn't particularly like the job, but I really liked the people that I worked with. And, and it forced me to, uh, I guess, get a bit edgier in terms of being able to get a sale across the line and understanding that whole process. Uh, so that was, that was an interesting part of my career. And then, and then I was offered a job working for Shangri-La hotels. Oh, and, stop it. <laughs> yeah. And that, that was just, that was me in my, heaven. that was my <laughs> heaven. It was just beautiful. And Shangri-La was really growing at that time. So I was, I was in a. So, what was your job? I mean, what did you do? Have to go and stay in all their hotels? Yeah, so it forced me to stay in all these (laughs) beautiful hotels. Um, (laughs) So, I I started off working for just just for their property. Uh, They had two properties at the time in Fiji, the Fijian Resort and the Macambo. So, I started working on those uh, those two properties, and my job was to you know basically be their liaison and. obviously sell for them and get groups and conferences and what have you. So I did that. And okay. then um, and then I was promoted to associate director of sales and that was for all of the properties. And wow. that, that was a brilliant job. And how old that are you brilliant. at this stage, sort of mid-20s? I'm, twen- I'm, I'm about 23, 24. Blimey, Lisa, mm. what an amazing mm. career to start off with from yeah. leaving school in year 10 and being bullied. Yeah, I'm well, so- loving this. As my girls say, I'm the beauty school dropout, you know. That's what they call me. That came good. Um, but, yeah, so, so Shangri-La, that was great because the, every time a hotel opened, you know, I needed to go and check it out. So I did a lot of travel, a tremendous amount of travel. Um, how big is the Shangri-La group? I've got no idea. Oh, was it sort of 10 time, hotels? Or? At that time, we had 33 hotels. Stop it. Yes. Oh, my God, I, thought, I was thinking it went right. That's a lot of travel now, I can <laughs> it see. Is. But you wouldn't recognise some of those properties because some of the sh- – within the Shangri-La group, there were, there were hotels called the Trader Hotels. They were part of it. So actual real Shangri-Las, I think it was 12 at the time. The Shangri-La brand right. that you that you know, yes, I think it was okay. about 12. And then they had the associated. Were, the yes, 33 yes. properties, Janie. Mm, and so, now, I mean, they'd be in the hundreds. Right. So, um, so what happened from there? So, uh, from there, I, I was looking for a bit of a change and one company that I'd always had my eye on was Hyatt because Hyatt was just brilliant organization, beautiful uh, brand. And I thought, okay, well, I've been with Shangri-La for five years. I'm, I'm working on building my career and it, it's time I've, I'm, I'm ready to make the move. So, I don't know, the universe just really swung round in my favor because I'd mentioned it to mom. I said, I think I, I think I need to start looking for something else to, you know, to grow my career. And mum, who loved to read the paper, and this is in the olden days when yes. job ads were in the paper, she she said to me, she called me and she said, There's this job and it sounds really good and it's for high. And I'm like, That's my I'm unicorn. <laughs> That's my unicorn. Amazing. So, I went. I went for the job, and what was um, the role? The, that role was um, a business development manager for their properties in Bali. 
and it was just fabulous. The Grand Hyatt Bali and the Bali Hyatt. And I, it was, it was a brilliant company to work for and, and the organization and the people and the, you know, the product. I just loved it. I loved every second of it. And, um, it was just one of those companies that was like, you, you get in there and you never want to leave. Right. And, um, and terrific training as well. A brilliant training. So it's it, that I learned a lot. I had five years there as well. Right. And, um, and, then and did by you that live stage, in Bali at that stage? I was backwards and forwards. Okay. Like, I think, you know, with Fiji, for example, I think at last count I've been to Fiji like 55 times. I think oh, Bali right. was, was very close to that as well. Wow. Um, so, and I did, and you know, organized groups and took musicians over there, paid bribes, you name it. It was done. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> um, but, you know, and again, that's, you know, that's part of that. That's, that's all part of the, you know, the rich tapestry that makes up the things that you do along the way. But it was wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. Okay. And so what do you do after something like the Hyatt, which, must, which was just so amazing? What, why did you leave and where did you go? Well, I had, um, so when, funnily enough, when I started Hyatt, uh, I didn't, I didn't realize it when I got the job, but I was actually pregnant. Right. And so when I received the contract for the position, I had found out I was pregnant and I said to my husband, Hamish, I can't take the job. I'm pregnant. I need to tell them. And I did. I told them straight away and I said to them, I, I won't take it personally. I understand if you can't take me on because I'm pregnant, totally okay. And they they didn't even blink an eyelid and said, we don't care. You're, oh, you're coming with us. What so a forward-thinking company yeah, that, compared to so a, many others. I know. And, and remember, this is in the this is in the 90s. So it wasn't it wasn't like it is now where companies would be afraid oh, to yeah, they would be. do that, to not do that. So they were just like straight away, we don't care. We want you. So I had my first child and then very quickly I had my second and then quicker, even again, I had my third and so, all and, the way and, through. And I forgot to ask though, where did you meet Hamish? How did that come about? We met, funnily enough, I had a, a, no, we didn't. We didn't <laughs> meet in Bali. We met in downtown Mona Vale. Um, I was oh, living right. in my, my parents had an apartment in Mona Vale and, um, and the day that I moved into that apartment, who should be sitting on the front stairs but this gorgeous young man right. that I thought, oh, I like the look of him. Uh, two years later, because he lived on the top floor, two years it took him, but he finally got there and asked me out. And and right. we've been together ever, ever since then. Oh, what yeah. a great story. Okay, so yeah. by that stage you're married and you've had three babies in quick succession. What Are That's they right. sort of three years apart, four years apart from oh, top no, to no, bottom? Oh, no, no, no. I had... I had three children in four years. Wow. So, yeah. So it was, it was intense. And like I said, I, I was very lucky. I had amazing parents that were super hands-on. So that was great. Uh, but then I, when I had my, my um, youngest daughter, I just knew that I had to, but like the intensity of my job was meaning that I couldn't be as present with the girls as what I wanted to be. So I decided that although I was on maternity leave, it was probably my time to, you know, take a bit of time off, take a bit of time off. And that's what I did. And, uh, but funnily enough, not I hadn't even taken a year off and I had itchy feet. I just wanted to get back to it. Missing all the travel. 
Yeah, I think missing the travel and also missing the, the you know, the, the you know, exercising my brain and, and yeah. using, um, you know, using different uh, skills and things like that that I, I really enjoyed using. And staying home with three young children in anyone's language is challenging. It's great mm. and it's wonderful, but it is exhausting. Yes. And you and you crave that kind of that adult responsibility. I, I just remember going back to work and going, oh, my God, I am able to eat my lunch and there is nobody <laughs> eating it off me, walking across the floor, around my feet, wanting me, you know, whatever. That's it's right. great. I know, I know. And I think that I, I think for me having having – Having my my career and having my my daughters, I, I was able to you know juggle it a lot for a long time and and do it very well. But then I just needed to I, I needed to go back to work. I really did. Right. Just so that just so that to, and also um, the other thing was I needed the money to be yeah. honest, Jules, yeah. because the business was still in its infancy. So it was. It so wasn't Hamish like, had started it by then. Hamish started the business in 1995. Our first daughter was born in 1995. Then we had one in 1996. Then we had one in 1999. So, right. Yeah. Okay. So small. it's a small business. You've got the three kids. So where did you decide that you would uh, go and work? So after that, I was approached to, to do some consultancy work for some small some small properties in Fiji. So the first one was Iskawa Island Lodge, which was divine. And um, so I did some work for them. And then Castaway Island came knocking on my door. And that was just <laughs> amazing. Yeah, that was just a beautiful job. And the owner, at the, t- the owner has now um, sold that island. But at the time when I worked for him, uh, oh, a beautiful man to work for and a fabulous, fabulous product. So, and he was, he, he understood that I couldn't work a five day a week job. I, I could work five days, but I couldn't work five full days. So we, so we made it work very nicely. Oh, and, great. um, and you know, the, that it was just, it was a really nice time. And, and so did you stay there sort of at, until the kids were in school and getting started that way? Yes, pretty much. Um, I said that I did some uh, ad hoc consultancy work for a few other properties along the way, and then and then I just thought, you know what, I might. I, I was actually thinking I could probably go and get a, a full time or a more full time job if I wanted to. Yeah. But it was it was working for me. I was thinking I was in the back of my mind thinking maybe a consultancy business because there's a lot of property, a lot of hotel properties around the world that need someone to represent them but don't have a big budget for it and don't know how to market themselves. So I was thinking along those lines and then that's when Hamish said to me, hey, come and join the family business. Right. So what did you do? Um, What was the first sort of role that you took on in the business? Because it's been going for 13 years without you, obviously needed to grow. What mm. what was your role? I mean, other than obviously kind of co-founder or what were you, CEO or yeah. was, that, was that Hamish? No, no, no. Hamish was the managing director. Right. And I came in as um, director of sales and marketing because that's my skill set. Yeah. And uh, like pre- as soon as I came in, I just started to systemize and put processes in place for everything that we did and look at the marketing. I mean, at that time, we didn't even have a website. Right. So that was that was kind of my first, and did my you, first big project. Did you think we should offer this to hotels? I mean, was there was that an option because you had all those connections anyway? 
It was an option. However, at that time, I don't think we were, I didn't think we were ready for that. Right. Because if you, if you um, went with outsourced hotel cleaning, if, if there's any issue at all, you don't get paid for the entire room clean. Right. So it's really, it's a tough, tough gig. Yeah. And you can lose a lot of money. So no, we, I, I said to Hamish, we just, these are, these are our core clients. This is where we are at our best. Let's go without like, and I identified who the ideal client was who are they? at that time. I want to so know. For us, okay. Well, it's changed since then, but I can tell you back then, yeah. our, our ideal client was a, a w- women office managers who were between 25 to 45 years of age right. and, um, and who were tired of having to manage all the, you know, crappy so cleaning that they'd small, been putting up with. Small businesses or SMEs. Very much. Yeah, very right. much SMEs. And what is it now? And, Has and it well, changed? It's changed so much now because we're a national, well, actually we're an international business. We also claim in New Zealand. So our our ideal clients now are facilities facility managers for larger facilities, multi-sites, right. who uh, just want to deal with one company who can do everything for them, all their cleaning, all their facilities in terms of, you know, they need to get, if they, they need to get the garden done, we can do that for them. They need to get the right. windows done, we can do that. So it's it's like an all-in-one solution. Um, You've completely sold solution. me. I'd be using yeah. you if I had a business. <laughs> um, so what was it like? So talk to me about what it's like walking into a business your husband's been running on his own for a long time, growing it and I guess systemizing it and all that kind of thing. Um, have there been challenges along the way that you at the time thought, oh, my God, this is a disaster, but now look back on and go, actually, it made us do this or do that. Have there been any of those moments? Um, I'd say every single day there's been a moment. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, every single day there's been a moment like that. And certainly in those early days, we we didn't have control. We didn't have enough control over certain things that um, that we now have really tight controls around and that that's things like um accounts receivable for example and and just managing the money and forecasting and and you know having having those like budgets set so that we can we we can measure ourselves off against something yeah Uh, so that we didn't have that in those early days and the other thing we didn't have was any any structure around how we were going to turn a prospect into a customer we would we we I guess there was a lot of um, hope strategy in place at that time. I hope they're going to become a client. I really hope they are. Yeah. But we we didn't have any process around that. So I built processes around the you know a, a prospect journey. So how they how they come into our funnel, how they how we would then deal with them moving through our funnel, and then how we turn them into a customer. And then once they became a customer how we would keep them longer and how we would keep them happy. So getting those two areas of the business, the sales side and then the retention side, getting those dialed in, that really helped us. I mean, we grew we grew from 700,000 to 3.2 million in under, what was it? It was under like two years. So wow, it was you fast. were just the missing piece. Now I'm thinking I need one of you in my business as well. I'm going to have to go and find someone. So um, so what is the big, hairy, audacious goal for the company now? Where, where do you want to see Clean Corp? Uh, we're, we're currently working on our BHAG as we speak, but right now we're, we're looking at having um, – 
probably quite a significant growth. We had massive growth last year and we're going really? to through COVID? Yeah, massive, massive. Because massive. people couldn't get to the office themselves or, or what no. was it? So it was the COVID cleaning and that wow. was that didn't even yeah, think that of that. Yes. It, yeah, we would just run off our feet. Like I I was I was working sixteen hours a day and the phone the phone was like this all day long, all day long. Um, because that's all pretty much all we did. So when COVID first hit, I was just thinking, what are we going to do? All these beautiful contracts. But what what happened was the contracts that turned off, so the people that, you know, they went home, they worked from home, were quickly replaced by all the one-off work that we were doing for the COVID cleaning and the disinfection services. So we were able to, and we were very intentional, Jules, about all of the cleaning staff that we had. I mean, these are very hardworking, wonderful, wonderful people that have been with us for a long time. So what we did was we said, okay, we're going to retrain you so that you understand how to do COVID cleaning. And then we we set up COVID cleaning response teams. Oh, my goodness, clever. They worked as teams, and that was how we were able to keep them all employed at full capacity for them. Not everybody wanted to work 40 hours, but we were able to keep everybody fully employed at their own capacity. And using our teams, we were able to um, to mobilise quickly because you can yeah. imagine um, if you get a COVID case in your business, you want, you want mobilisation like that. Absolutely. I mean, I was sending teams out at two in the morning to do claims. That was not uncommon. How incredible. I had never thought of, I mean, I think of the pandemic as a gift in a whole lot of ways, but I hadn't <laughs> thought of what a huge gift it would be for cleaning companies. Of mm. course, that's amazing. So yeah. um, so now, so absolutely amazing. I love the sound of your career, love the sound of your business. It all just sounds fantastic. So now talk to me about along your journey, your career journey, and um, and, and, you know, through the hotel industry as well, just because this podcast is all about women and I'm trying to um, put the spotlight on some women, have there been any specific women right the way back from high school to now that you think, yep, they made a huge difference and, I, and you know, that you'd be happy to do a bit of a shout out about them and how they helped you? Oh, or- gosh, there are so many women. And fun- funnily enough, I was, just, I was just talking to one of them a few minutes ago. Um, I... Uh, friends, um, people that I work with, um, my lawyer, Donald Moore, amazing, amazing support. She's just, you know, Fantastic. always there. Yeah. Um, I work with an HR consultant, Simone Guild. She is incredible at what she does. She really is. Right. And, um, and uh, I mean, God, I could literally go on. Angela McDonald, who's our accounts receivable. Um, Changed everything you know, for you. Yeah. It's just, uh, if you could see how many women are out in my office at the moment working, each and every one of them is truly a gift, each and every one of them. Michelle Cudmore, who started as our office manager and is now our um, systems and compliance manager, just brilliant, super loyal, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, Well, Lisa, but there's uh, something about you, Lisa, that I can imagine great people would want to work for you and also want to be the best for you because I can tell straight away you'd just be a fantastic boss. Um, Thank you. So talk to me about the – have there been – well, I I don't know whether we've covered this, so I'll just put it out there again. Have there been any pivotal moments, either successes or challenges, that have Mm -hmm. helped you learn something that you would share? Yeah. Yeah, there, there, there definitely has been, and and it's 
it's um, I think to be to really be like for us we, we in 2014 we won a the company won a huge prize in the United States huge right and what and, was it um, it was Ultimate Marketer. Right. So wow. we were the first first international company ever, like first company outside of the United States ever to have won it, and I was the first woman. So wow. it was a really big deal. Yeah. And that was great, Jill. That was great. However, winning that prize meant we took our eyes off our business, and it right. really diverted our attention. And that would be, I would have to say that winning it was the biggest blessing and curse at the same time. Because you can't chase two rabbits. You can't. You just can't. Nobody can. <laughs> what a great expression. So, yeah. So, and, and that's what we were trying to do. So, in 2014, we had all international accolades. I, I was doing media interviews and all sorts of, you know, fabulous, wonderful things. Meanwhile, in the background, what was going on was that we were losing clients because we'd taken our eye off the ball. Right. And, we'd, and, we, and, and, and our fingers off the pulse. And I think that was... That, that was a huge learning curve. That, you're and, the second um, person that's told me about that and that's something that I wouldn't have thought about. The other one was a woman who owned an agency and she said she realised that, that they're exactly the same thing, just taken their eye off the customer service, which was so yes. important, and so clients started peeling off and they suddenly went, hang on a minute, we've won all these awards and we've got less clients than ever. Mm, exactly. Right? That's a really good lesson. And it's so easy. It's so easy. I mean, I think that... The, the client is like, I don't pay anybody in this organization. No, nobody in this company gets paid by me. They all get paid by our customers. So it's including me. So when yes, we true. took our eye off the customer, that it just, it really was, it was a really hard time. We lost a lot of business and it was, it was probably the toughest lesson I think I've ever learned in, in, in business up until now. Oh, well, thank you for sharing it. And obviously you then looked back and went, hang on a minute, we've, we, this is what we've done and, you know, addressed it and, and managed to pull back. Obviously, exactly. But, now- but even that, even that pullback, that took time. Yeah. You know, it's like when you've got a great big ship in the middle of the ocean, it doesn't turn on a dime. It takes a long time to turn that ship around. So it, it took me about 12 months to wow. really, right. yeah, to, 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 to correct what had happened. And uh, because every piece of business that comes in, uh, our stra- you know, the way that we work is that we make our money on keeping you happy for a very long time. Yes, we don't, yes. we don't make all of our profit on the first month's invoice. So that's that's what I mean. It was, it, it took about twelve months to to right. you know financially correct that. Well, thank you for sharing that because, and and that is a great lesson for everyone. So, um, as um, a, a mum, I'm guessing your children now are, are sort of at least teenagers, if not older. But as a mum, and also in in a relationship, or you know, partners with your co-founder, how do you juggle work and life? Is it is it does it bleed it? Well, you've just said through COVID you were doing sixteen hour days, but normally do you try and separate it a bit or does it all, because it's all part of the same family, does it all kind of bleed into each other? I'm, I'm really intentional about, about protecting my time with the family. Right. And, and, but I do carve out chunks of time that I, I'll, I'll hop on and just, you know, check in on what's going on over the weekend or after hours or before. 
normally it just it works. Sometimes it's a pain in the neck, and I could be you know doing something nice with the family or with my husband, and uh, and I get a, a call about you know something that's going on that needs my immediate attention, but. I think just being very intentional about it. So and, you're and pretty again, much doing office hours and trying to keep weekends and evenings yes, for Yes, I mean, that, didn't, that did not work at all during COVID, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it didn't work over Christmas because I, I live on the northern beaches in Sydney. So that didn't work over Christmas either with the with that little um, COVID oh, cluster. Yes. Yeah. But, but as a general rule, yes, that's what I like to try and do. Right. And last but definitely not least, well, it's not, it's almost last, but um, a journalist asked me to ask this one and I just love the answers I get. So is there a quirky fact that most people don't know about you that you'd be up for sharing? Sure. I think uh, most people probably don't know that I'm a massive Francophile. I speak fluent French and, wow. um, and I've been, I've been studying French for the last 12 years. So I, I don't ever on feel like I'm on the back like of the Paris. I guess the first job. No, in, no. Why? Well, yeah. Well, well, yes. When I was in Paris, I, I started to pick things up, but five months isn't enough to learn a language. No. And I'd always wanted to return back to learning French, and it, it took a few years, but I finally got there, and it's been just such an enriching, wonderful. Uh, Journey it's a beautiful to, language too. Yeah, Absolutely it is a beautiful, beautiful language. So why did you want to learn it? I mean, do you go to Paris? Do you go back to France frequently? You and Hamish? Yes. Well, we did. <laughs> right. Yes, of course. Uh, we did. Uh, I Look, I originally wanted to learn it because my grandmother had really bad Alzheimer's. And my first thought was I need to stretch my brain and make, you know, make these oh, new okay. neural pathways. Yeah. So that was the first thing. But then when I started learning, I met some incredible people who have become wonderful, wonderful friends of mine over many years. And uh, I couldn't, be- I couldn't better lose them in my life. So right. therefore I will be a, I will be a, you know, a student of French, I think for, Forever, I think. And what about Hamish? Is he learning as well or you're just the one no. who's going to be? <laughs> no. <laughs> right. No, definitely not Hamish. <laughs> He's not interested. He said, no, one one, one Francophile in the family is more than enough. Right, as long as you know how to order the beers and get the exactly. hotel rooms and things, he's happy. Exactly. Um, now, my last questions are silly and really nothing to do with your career, but I love my phone and I love finding new apps. Um, you know, that, that helped me with life or with business or whatever. So my question to you is, do you use your phone for business? And if so, is there an app in there that other than, you know, your LinkedIn and your emails and things, is there anything else that you use that you would like to tell us about? Um, App-wise, I think I use I, – I tend to use my phone more for uh, for pleasure. So I'm, I'm, I'm using different apps for French I'm using different, you know, how do I conjugate this verb? Okay. Uh, I use it for that. I use it for that. And also, um, you know, radio stations. I listen to different radio stations in France um, so that I can keep, you know, keep keep that in my in yes. my brain. But but um, I don't tend to, I mean, we have, a, we have our own business app that we use to manage all of our sites. So yeah. that's probably the only one that, that would fall into that specific category, and that's called Swept. But okay. it's very much, very much for cleaning companies. Um, I don't think you're anyone yeah. listening who's not in that area probably wouldn't use I'll it. I tell you though, we have somebody in the company that's just launched um, an online cleaning service. So she, I bet she will come and listen to this and love to hear your story because it'll inspire Great. her to Great. grow her own business. So, 
Um, Lisa, thank you so, so much for this interview. I've absolutely loved it. Now, if people want, because we do have women in the group that have larger organisations as well, um, if people want to get hold of you, what is the best way to do so? They can they can either reach out to me on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, I you know get take a I'm always on LinkedIn or just Lisa at CleanCorp.com. Okay, that's my email, Lisa at CleanCorp.com, and um, and yeah, they can see your connect. services on the website at CleanCorp.com yes. as well. Exactly, brilliant. Exactly. Well, thank you. I can't wait to share this story. You are just it's such an inspiration. You've done you know. I, it's funny because I listen and it sounds like you've had this ideal life, but I know that you have made it happen. And really, it probably goes back to Narrabeen High in some yeah. ways that just gave you such an awful um, background that you just went, right, I'm going to go and change things for myself. So what yeah. an inspiration you are. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on, Jules. I've really enjoyed our, our chat today. My pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au.